This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul, and we are doing recaps of Breaking Bad. My name is Mike from West Coast Project, and I'm here with Kelly from Better Call Saul Fun Facts. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hey, Kelly, we're coming down to it. Now we got four left, and these are clearly my favorite four. This, the way this ended was just so awesome. It is. I'm really excited, and I just, I, it's just a whirlwind. I couldn't stop writing notes on these, on these episodes. Me either. Um, so 5.13 from Breaking Bad was Tahajali. Tahajali, I guess, is an Indian reservation? Correct. Did you go out there when you were in Albuquerque? No, that was another area like the area where Mike died that is incredibly hard to find. Wait, Mike dies? Where Mike, where Mike dies, uh, what we were talking about before, yeah, I'm uh, out you. by the Rio Grande, those areas for, for someone like me not familiar with the area was difficult to pinpoint. Right. Well, it was, it was a very cool spot. Um, let's get into it. We see the Nazi hangout, their workshop, the grounds where they hang out in their playground or whatever they call it, playhouse. And um, we get a really good shot of this, Kelly. It's like a cool overhead shot as they pan back um, near the end of this scene. But we see Todd making meth. And uh, he's pretty happy with 76%, but it's not the right color. Right. You know, the writers had a lot of conversation on, on what color they should make his meth. But you can tell that Lydia's not impressed. <laughs> no, it looks like some dirty, like, bad winter ice color or snot color. It's, like, not really clear, not really color. It's like a cloud color. Right. Yeah, it's not even, like, a, a light blue at all. I mean, there's just... I like how she says, where's the blue? Does it come later? <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd's impressed. He's like, that Wolverine guy couldn't even crack 70%. No, of course, he's talking about Declan, but that was funny. Um, and Todd brings Lydia some tea. Todd's starting to fall for old Lydia here. He's uh, he's really kowtowing up to her. Um, and he, he admits he thinks he burned the color right out of it, out of the meth. And, Kelly, and uh, Lydia says, well, like a cake, you mean? <laughs> Do you think, Kelly, that Todd and Lydia ever hooked it up? No, no, I don't think that Lydia would ever have anything to do with him. Um, and I think that a lot of, like, as we've discussed, a lot of people find Lydia attractive. But I think he's just got a simple schoolgirl, schoolboy crush on her. Yeah, she's playing it up for sure, though. She's definitely um, pretending like you can, ha- you can win me over if you do what I want. And Todd's really falling for it. Yeah, um, I... I- I have to mention this one part at the end where she's walking away and he has that tea in his hand with her lips, with her uh, lipstick mark on it. Uh, and when he goes to take a sip of it and puts his lips right over where her lipstick was, was unscripted. Uh, Jesse Plemons, who plays Todd, did that perfectly. Uh, but it just kind of, and it kind of submits how, what much of a weirdo he really is. Yeah, that was creepy. Mm-hmm. Creepy even to watch, much less to actually do it. Put a, put your <laughs> mouth over somebody's lipstick. Yeah. Um, but we go right back to where the, the last episode left off, um, where Walt is calling about the job for Jack, and it's the direct link to that last episode. And of course, that job is Jesse. Um, Kelly, what do you think Walt was thinking at this point? What was in his head? Well, I think that... Um He's wanting to put Jesse down, and I think that Todd's reaction is about the same as when he killed that kid. Just sort of like, oh, all right, cool, whatever. You know, no no shock or dismay or argument. 
Yeah, he did go in that le- in that episode before this one. He did go really from I guess that was rabid dog. He really went from being protective of Jesse to now just having to eliminate him. And I guess the rabid dog reference is is Jesse, right? Yeah, because we were talking about how you know there's a love affair between Walt and Jesse, but Walt will take out anyone when it comes between that money and his family, even Jesse. Yeah, and I guess in a weird way too, if you if you actually had a, a dog that became a rabid dog, even if he was your dog, out of kindness you would put it to sleep. So it's got a weird kind of kindness connotation to it. Yeah, kind of like the conversation he had, Jesse had when he was in group and therapy, and he was making up that fake story about how he had to take out a dog. So there's a lot of dog references. Next, we see Hank under the freeway. Um, he's meeting Gomi, and we find out in a, in a second that Jesse's there, too. Jesse's got another really good idea. Um, Gomi is really not very nice to Jesse, though. He's got no respect for him. He's just making fun of him. But Jesse's idea is to attack the money stash, and I guess this is where he's thinking he hits Walt where he lives, right? Exactly. So they have Huel on ice at a safe house, and uh, they set up this little scam to fake Huel out. Um, and it's essentially Hank gets a gets a I don't even what. How do you buy those brains, Kelly? Have you ever bought anything like that at a supermarket? No, I know they said that that was fake blood and that poor Aaron Paul has an extremely weak stomach and a really bad gag re- reflex. So they had to cut the parts out that the entire time they were filming that he was, you know, gagging. I bet he's not the only one. I mean, people watching it on TV were probably gagging. It's pretty realistic. Yeah. So Hank drops these brains on his kitchen floor and his goal, I guess, is to put Jesse's head down near there and make it look like Jesse's brains got blown out. So they go and talk to Huel. Now, Kelly, if Huel was tougher, he could have gotten out of this arrest, air quotes, arrest. He wasn't very tough at all. He folds like a cheap card table with Hank. <laughs> I know. I thought he was going to be a little bit more hardcore, but maybe he's just has that tough exterior. But once they showed him that brains, he was kind of like, oh, I'm not cut out for this. Now, I don't know what happened. Kubi, Kubi would have gotten out of it. Kubi seems a lot smarter than Huel. Kubi definitely, yeah. I think that's maybe why they went for Huel and lied and said that Kubi was missing and all that because they went for the weakest link. Yeah, where do you think Kubi was? Um, I don't know. I think they just made up that he was he was missing, probably just off doing Kubi things. Well, <laughs> they they keep Huel isolated. He that doesn't really matter where he is, I guess, because they've got yeah. him scared enough. But Hank and Gomi are totally breaking the law here. Um. They're they're lying to him, which I guess police can technically do, but they're they're telling him a bunch of lies to keep him there, and that's that's almost like kidnapping. So Hank, Hank and Gomi are totally breaking the law here, Kelly. And this house, where do you think whose house do you think this was? Do you think it was just Hank, some house Hank keeps on the side for projects like this? I think probably it was a safe house they used, maybe within the police department, because um, Gomez mentions like you know the guy who's keeping him did he have any questions he said well i think he's smart enough not to ask any so it must be a house that they use yeah probably because they do leave that guy with huel huh the third guy that we don't really know yeah cop um so huel describes the van and the seven barrels from home depot hank and gomi really do get some good intel here that the van was rented and returned dirty 
and uh, this really gets their wheels moving on what on what they're going to try to do next. So next we see nighttime at the Nazi playground, um, and Walt's there. Walt's meeting with Jack about Jesse's hit, um, but Kelly, it's not a Rat Patrol hit. He's Jesse's just angry, so they need to take him out. Um, and Walt wants it to be quick and painless. How did you think about that? What did you think about that? Did that seem kind of Walt, or did you? You know, you like Walt. Walt's kind of your favorite guy in this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you get mad at Walt at all for this, for putting this hit on Jesse? Well, you know, like I had mentioned before, I was really angry at Jesse, and I think that Walt expected Jesse to do a lot of things. Um, but I think that, you know, he, feeling betrayed is not one of the things that Walt's going to deal with. Walt does try to make it as kind as you can make it when you're putting a hit on someone. Right. He wants it quick and painless. Um, And Jack, I guess, agrees to this. And Jack doesn't want money, even three times the money from the other hits. He wants Walt to cook. He wants Walt to cook a few times so Todd can learn the the, the art of cooking. Right. He has something far more valuable, um, considering that the 76% wasn't going to work for Lydia, uh, he's got to do something. So it was kind of a smart move to use that bargaining power. On Jack's part, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they agree to do one cook after the hit is completed, and then they shake on it. Now, Jack has this weird honor system, Kelly. He needs to shake, and he's pretty old school. He is. And uh, they were saying in the writer's room that they, they left that um, between to have Walt sort of delay his handshake and kind of look down at, at Jack Swastika on his hand, like, who the hell am I getting involved with here? I'm not touching that hand. Yeah, he doesn't want to. Right. Um, did you ever consider this, Kelly? What if, why didn't Walt maybe just use somebody else to do this hit? He's getting in, maybe he doesn't know what he's getting into here with the Nazis, but he's getting in pretty deep. Well, I think that because the hit with the prison and, you know, the, what was it, nine guys in two minutes or something, uh, went so flawlessly, and you know who else is he going to really hit up? Mike's dead, you know Saul's kind of running out of contacts. I think it was just a matter of convenience, and he trusts him for the most part. Yeah, you're right. I guess he has no reason not to trust him at this point. Yeah, they um, did the Ominous thing and all that. You know, they've been in, in bed together for a while. So Jack says, "Okay, great. Where is he? We'll do it. We'll do it tonight if you want." And Walt doesn't know where he is, but he knows how to find out, and that is what happens when we see the next scene with Andrea. Now, this sets Andrea's fate in stone here, Kelly. Um, Spoiler alert, but this ultimately leads to her bad things happening to her. I guess I won't spoil it completely. But the Nazis knew nothing of her before this, right? Uh, No, they didn't. And, And you're right. For him to try to fish her out, um, I mean, it's smart, and you don't think anything's gonna happen to her uh, but, you know, now you've got little Brock and and, and uh, Walt back together again. Um, and not to get off point, but if you notice that they always have Brock sitting down, it's because he's getting older now and they have to keep him looking young. So if you notice, they never have him standing up, not even in the hospital bed. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't <laughs> even think of that. I always think of him as a cute little tot. Yeah, yeah, they had him keep eating those um, Fruit Loops over and over again until he was about blue. Right. Yeah, very, very, not a smart move on his part as far as putting Andrea in danger. So I guess the idea is that Walt going to Andrea's house will lure Jesse out 
because of all the baggage with the poisoning of Brock and everything. But the problem with this is that Hank has Jesse's phone and he intercepts the call when Andrea calls Jesse, leaves him a message. And then this, then they come up with the fake out with the GPS on the van. So Walt has a good idea, but the writing is just so brilliant that, of course, Gilligan has thought of this and he's got this uh, Hank intercepting this call. So it's never going to work. But it does turn the Nazis on to where Andrea is, and that's going to lead to some other complications later. Right. All right. So next, uh, we see Skylar teaching Junior the car wash business. Um, now, do you have a fun fact about this customer, Kelly? Wasn't that somebody famous at the car wash? Which part? Where they're standing there with the car wash? Yeah, there's a woman at the customer at the car wash. I think she was one of the writers. Oh, I think that's in the next episode because uh, Moira Wally Beckett wrote Ozymandias, and I think they show a part where she's in that episode. Okay, because Skylar teaches Junior the business, and he gives the woman the change, and he tells her to he says to tell her have an A one day. She's showing him the information, and then Saul walks up. Yeah, Saul does walk up next. I think. Um, do you have it on? Do you have? Are you playing it? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, because it no, that's not her. Mm-mm, that's a different lady. More is in the episode she wrote and won the Emmy for, which is the next one. Okay, so that's just a random customer, right? Okay, uh, and this is so Saul does walk up, and this is the first time Junior meets Saul, right? Yes, and he's all excited, like he's just this hometown hero. <laughs> well, he's a billboard and television star, a Junior. Yeah, exactly. But Saul's pretty beat up. Yeah, from Jesse. (laughs) His face is messed up. And then Walt shows up with Holly, and he leaves right away. So Walt doesn't want to see Saul for some reason, or doesn't want Saul to see him, or see them in front of Skylar, maybe. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't doesn't want to bring that all together, because you've got... um, I mean, she knows they know each other, but I'm sure that can't be good. Well, Saul does tend to blurt things out loudly that he shouldn't in front of people. Right. So I don't blame Walt. Um, Saul's worried because Huel is missing um, And Saul's even wearing a bulletproof vest uh, The next scene I guess Saul and Walt are talking a little bit Outside of the car wash after this, right? Yeah, and you can see Skylar Like looking out the window But here um, um, Saul's in total panic mode uh, And it's funny Because if you see when they're standing there There's a better call Saul um, Billboard in the background And so that's why R.J. Mitty or Walt Jr. had to say, oh, hey, you're the guy from the billboard, because they were supposed to have taken that down, uh, but somehow it got into that scene. So they had to make a lineup for that. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So this is where Walt gets this barrel of cash picture texted to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesse says he's going to burn it all down. Walt screams off in his car now to to head out towards where he's got the cash buried, thinking that they're out there with it. And on the way to this, on zooming through town and on the way to this uh, site at Tajali Kelly, he confesses to every crime we've seen in this whole series. Brock, Fring, Emilio, Crazy Eights, all the other things he's done wrong. He just spills it. He does. And I remember when I watched it the first time, it didn't occur to me like, hey, you're telling him everything. Because at the time, I'm think- I'm so caught up in the scene and I think Walt was caught up with the fact that he really believed Jesse had that money. And he didn't know that Jesse was working with Hank at that time. So all of his, everything that he's worked for, all his precautions he's taken has just gone right on to 
a cell phone. Yeah, it's one of the rare times that Walt's um, sixth sense and seeing it forward and knowing everything kind of fails him. Mm-hmm. So when he gets out there to Tahajali, he sees it's really calm. There's nobody else there, no tire tracks, everything's okay, and he realizes that it's a trap. Um, so Kelly, I, I probably know the answer to this, but did you, see, did you feel sorry for Walt when, he, when he's out there and he tries to justify his situation? Actually, I guess it was on the way out there, when, like he's dying, he needs the money for his children. Did you ever really feel sorry for Walt? Like, hey, you might have a point, you might deserve this money? Yes. <laughs> Walt always, I always feel bad for Walt. Uh, and it, it, it troubles Miss Gilligan, or it doesn't trouble him, but it's fascinating to him how many people will cover for Walt. Um, but, yeah, I felt bad because he did he did, really, I mean, he does have me believing that he wants this for his family. And he is dying. And I don't want this to all go to waste like Jesse throwing his money out the window. Yeah, and even though we knew that it was a fake out by Jesse, I felt myself falling for this for, from mm-hmm. Walt. Like, yeah, don't burn the poor guy's money. Let his family have it. Um, and then I felt bad that that um, I felt worried for Walt when he got out there. Like, oh, what's what is what's this trap? What's the result of this trap going to be? Yeah, when he runs up the hill, that's the same spot where uh, Jesse had stood and said, "Oh, that's where the the cow house where the cows live." So, you know, they're right back to where they began, literally. Yeah. So this next series of events is what brings this whole mess tumbling down. Um, Hank shows up. Walt sees Hank showing up and calls Jack to come and help him. And when, it, when, Hank, when Walt sees it's just Hank and Gomi and Jesse, he tries to call off Jack. And then we see kind of the arrest of Walt. He's, he's hiding, but it seemed kind of fruitless for him to hide. I mean, his car's there. Hank's going to know he's there. Uh, but Walt does finally step out into the open and just surrenders. Do you remember, Kelly, what you were thinking then? Like, what was going through Walt's head at this point? Well, I know what was going through mine is how the hell are they going to have any more episodes because he's getting arrested, game over. Um, but I am sure that he was hiding because he was panicking. And, you know, he sees Hank's car come up like, oh, my God, can, what is happening here? But I felt bad for him. You think he was, do you think he was going to give up or he wasn't going to do some sort of crazy suicide by cop or something, do, do you think? No, he's too narcissistic, I think. I think he was going to try and work this out to the very end. Like come up with some excuse and you got to believe me, Hank, it's this X, Y, Z reason. Yeah, I don't think he wanted any ill will to come to Hank, obviously, because when the Nazis show up, he doesn't. He wants to save him. But, yeah, I think he was going to try something to get out of it. So they cuff Walt, smirk, and they're all celebrating. The look on Jesse's face is just utter glee. Um, and Hank kind of recalls these happier times in the barbecue in the backyard where he says he took the fake barrel picture. He made the he was worried about the dirt matching the Tahajali dirt, but it was the backyard where, where they had all their nice, fun barbecues. Um, that was sad thinking back. I mean, that wasn't all that long ago. No, it wasn't, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I kind of, I don't feel like the look on Jesse's face is glee at first. I feel like he's totally terrified, but the thing about the scene is when, um, Jesse spits at Walt, 
Um, that's actually a, a real spit that he does. But they, they were originally going to have Brian Cranston say, call him a rat, like he'd called him earlier in this episode with uh, Jack and the Nazi crew. But he thought that coward would be a better word. And, and it does work because, you know, I agree. I feel like Jesse's a total coward. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty intense scene. Hank um, Hank secures Walt with the handcuffs, and then he calls Marie. A very bad sign. Bad, bad, bad. Um, tells her he loves her, and he's got Walt secured. He even waves at Walt. And I, I guess that's a flashback to the French Connection. Correct, yeah. Gene Hackman does that in the French Connection. Oh, boy. Next, the hot, the, the next scene, the Nazis show up. Um and it starts it starts out looking bad and it actually does get pretty bad. It's a shootout and Hank and Gomi are totally outgunned in the shootout. And and in the scene Kelly they make it look like a really long gunfight. But I think that was supposed to be the slow motion like of our memory where something seems like it took really long but it doesn't really take very long. Um Yeah, I'd have to agree. Cuz the next time we see it it's really short. It's unexaggerated. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. But the people people in reality are really bad aim, and they don't hit everything they aim at. And this kind of s- seems to represent that. There's a lot of bullets shot, and not too many of them hit their targets. But um, well, it's just way longer and louder in memory than it probably was in reality. Yeah, yeah. They say that with things that are traumatized and that it seemed like forever. Um, but this one thing I did not know, and I don't think you know or a lot of people know, is that Hank was actually supposed to die in this episode, but they decided to, to, with the timing, uh, because to film this, they had to come back right after they had just filmed the scene with Brian hiding the money, and they had to redo the whole ground, put the bushes back in, put everything back to where they dug out for him to put the barrels. Uh, and they thought that it wouldn't be delicious enough having him die right here. Uh, but I never realized that. Huh? How did you find that out? Uh, I was listening to the podcast, and and um, the writers were talking about how, um, or not the writers, the director was talking about how they needed to give it a little bit more time because the the gunfight itself took a day, in itself, just to film it. Yeah, I bet it was a very uh, very complicated scene. Um, but then mid mid gunfight, the scene goes black, and this episode ends, and that's it for Tahajali. Um, boy, it left me really worried for Hank because I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but it seemed like the uh, the chances and the ways he might get himself out of this were very, very limited. Didn't seem like it was going to happen. Yeah, you know, when they say show us your badges, yeah, if you show us our badges, this all goes away. Did they not show their badges uh, because they didn't want to reach down into their pocket? Or what do you think the reason was? Yeah, I think if you reach in your pocket to get your badge, you're not reaching it. You're not controlling your gun. Yeah. And plus, it's just proved proved to us that you're cops. You know, but once they knew they were cops, they were dead. So. Yeah, I um, guess like a hundred thousand round or over um, a couple thousand rounds were uh, shot off during those scenes. So yeah, that was no joke. Yeah, so that's it for Tahajali Kelly. We're um, we're getting down to the end of Breaking Bad, and this podcast was really put together for Better Call Saul, which starts next week. It's hard to believe. No. Um, so please uh, tell your friends if you're listening and you want to have them tap into this review of 
Better Call Saul because we'll be covering every episode. You can rate us in iTunes, rate us in Stitcher. Um, and the way to find the podcast, if you don't see it on iTunes or Stitcher, is go to West Coast Project and look for Better Call Saul. And, Kelly, you have some websites that are connected to both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, right? Yes, I do. Actually, I, I just started a brand, <laughs> a brand new one yesterday. Um, so I have two, two pages on Facebook, Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts. And same name, uh, both on Instagram as well. Okay. And my Twitter handle is at Scathing Tweets. And what's yours? BRBA underscore Fun Facts. All right, Kelly. That's it for Tahajali. I'll see you next time on Ozymandias. All right. Sounds good.